this is Michelle from Same Same But Black with an interview for Icons 2021 with Robert Taylor, a revered photographer based in the UK. Hello Robert, how do you feel about Icons? Icons for me are people who shine a light, they're fabulous, but there's something special about them which allows us to identify with them and feel that they're bringing us into a different kind of light. Uh, my icons, I suppose that the, the one who matters most in relation to my own creativity has been the Nigerian photographer, Rotimi Fanny Kayode. And it is as simple as this, seeing, discovering that Rotimi Fanny Kayode existed, this fabulously talented, charismatic, black gay man, made me realise that my life as a, a hobbyist working on the side in publishing was a very limited ambition. And literally within two years of meeting that man, my life had changed. I became an artist. I became a completely different person on a completely different life path. And that was because of exposure to his talent. Can you talk to us about Romani and um, his work and his influence on you? Rotimi, um, he was only uh, a few years older than me at the time, but uh, he was born to a very privileged family in Nigeria. His parents were uh, in the political class. And he ended up coming to the UK during the time of the Nigerian Civil War. He eventually ended up in New York at the Pratt Institute um, and got a very high quality training in Western fine art values. He then came back to London and got himself trained in photography and basically created this unique expression as uh, a combination of the fine art influences and knowledge that he'd acquired, but he combined that with some precious ancient Nigerian traditional spiritual values, so that his work was a, a weird mixture of the, the homoerotic, the spiritual, and, and the playful often. He would take uh, items of, of sacred significance and bring them into homoerotic scenes and it was neither pornographic nor academic. It was just this joyful, complicated, quite challenging combination of ways of looking at being a human. And it bewitched lots of people. Sadly, he died 30 years ago, but he's had an enormous posthumous career with books, exhibitions, and a number of public events, including panel discussions, where people talk about his talent, practice, and just generally the impact that he had. Wow, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I've still got heaps of research to do myself on his work. What drives your passion for photography? And um, what are your hopes that the legacy of photography and photographs that you've captured will leave? Well, what drives my passion for photography, I would say is principally in the area of portraiture. And when I'm photographing people, I'm in the business of exploring and celebrating who people can be. So when I take photographs, whether it's of a British prime minister, a member of the royal family, uh, a drag queen in South London, uh, a woman in science, uh, any number of different kinds of artists, in all cases, I'm there to play powerfully with them, to draw out the best, not just how they look. I'm actually trying to capture the essence of what it's like to be in their presence when they're in their power whether it's their intellectual, artistic, performative, <clears throat> educational, whatever it is, I dig deep uh, intuitively to bring them out. And uh, that, when that works, it's, it's so <clears throat> thrilling, it's so inspiring. 
Um, the legacy of photography, <clears throat> well, even though we're now in a digital age where it's arguable that we're all photographers with our phones in our pockets, I still feel there's something special and intimate and essential about creating a special moment to say to somebody, I want to record you and celebrate you and find out about you through conversation and setting up various scenarios to show you at your best. And I think that legacy, as we move through the digital age, is going to get even more important. Well, you'll probably remember when photography first came into uh, existence, a lot of people panicked that it would make painting redundant. Well, that hasn't worked. And I think the digital age isn't killing artistic photography, but it's just a very complicated moment, and we're still working out what photography is going to mean in the future. But I, I think it has a, a strong future. That's left me with a lot of thoughts. Can you t expand on your photographs in icons? And can you talk on uh, D um, David McCalmon and Blackberry in icons? Well, I'll, I'd love to say a, a little bit about two others of the images, uh, who, people who I consider to be uh, black queer icons. The first one was a fleeting but um, delicious encounter as it was a result of a delicious but fleeting encounter with Blackberry. Um, he was, uh, he is an American-based musician, poet, and, and, and black queer. And he happened to be passing through London and at, at, the, at the date of what is normally Thanksgiving in the USA. And the ICA, the Institute of Contemporary Arts, had commissioned me to get a shot of him because he was part of a black queer performance series at the Institute uh, of Contemporary Arts. And he had very little time, and it turned out the only way I was going to get hold of him was to attend a little party that was being given in a tiny apartment in the little queer part of, of Brixton in London. And I turned up at the party, hoping that there'd be some room somewhere, and then it turned out that the only space, because the place was packed with people, was if we went into a mercifully sparsely decorated all-white bathroom downstairs in the basement. So this towering man, I mean, I'm six foot two, and he's a good six inches taller than me, as I remember it. And we sort of crammed him into a space in the corner, and I set up the lights and made it look as if he was peering down at us from a huge auditorium with his, his, his dreadlocks cascading down. And he was just a sweet, warm-hearted, funny mountain of a man. And he's got this, what I would call, cult status in, in performance and queer circles in America as this sort of gra gay granddaddy giving us uh, his wisdom through song and, and verse. So a, a, a little taste of American charisma. And a much more layered encounter is with the other icon in the, the pictures I've given you, which is David McCalmont. And he's a man who's very hard to describe. I've known David as a good friend for 30 years. And in that time, he's been a pop star, um, a social activist, um, also a, you know, a rampant hedonist, but that's not necessarily part of his iconic status. But he's now reshaped himself. And although he still does his music, and he's a, he's a, a very accomplished singer and songwriter, and he's collaborated with some big names in the music industry. He keeps his music identity, but he's since, in, in the last 10 years, retrained as an art historian. And he now teaches special units of mind, 
expanding consciousness in the academic co context for young architects who are working their way through a seven-year course fully qualified architect. And uh, very recently, I had the delight and the honour to be invited to be on one of his academic panels to talk to him and his students about some of the work that they were doing, because he wanted to stretch their minds by exposing them to people outside this specific discipline of architecture. So David, if you like, is an exquisite example of a black queer Renaissance man whose creative landscape knows no bounds. He sings like an angel, he writes inspiring music, he collaborates with great grace, and now he's expanding the minds of the next generation of architects. That's what I call iconic. His progress and how your work is presented in many collections internationally. Yes, well, I think um, the journey, if you like, for me is I started with a focus very much on photography as an art form. And my, I eventually settled into an identity as somebody who does it professionally and I get paid to do it. My, when I started, I was working in what we call here in the UK, the voluntary sector. I was a, a hired gun of charities and various community organizations who wanted images of their work and their client group, whether it was age concerned type projects or people in prison or people in the artistic community doing community work, or as it was back in the day, fighting the battles to educate ourselves about being safe, to protect ourselves against HIV at a time when it was highly dangerous, as well as battling the government, the then conservative governments, let's call it what it is, a hate campaign against queer folk. We had to campaign with all kinds of activities, including my imagery to help some campaigns to put the message that we were here, we were queer, and we were valid, and we were legitimate. And that was a great adventure. More recently, my career has become about photographing, as it happens, women who excel in academe or science, engineering, and technology. We have the Victorian Albert Museum, which has uh, some of my work from my more early artistic, homoerotic work. I've also got work in permanent collections at a lot of Oxford University colleges, as I was saying. Images of strong, powerful, capable women taking up as much space as the men in, in their ancient old oil paintings. And I'm very proud of that, um, even though I, I must stress, I've never been the kind of photographer that's obsessed with photographing celebrities. I want to photograph people and who they are and what they are at whatever level I find them in society. How has the reception of your work changed over the years? And do you think BLM or Black Lives Matter has an impact on your work in recent times? This is a tricky subject for me. I have had various times in my career when I was commissioned by organisations or projects to make work that was principally about celebrating the black presence, whether in the arts, or as distinguished individuals in, in academia and science and technology. Um, I've always fought hard to be considered first and foremost as a competent practitioner. And there have been times when my identity as a black gay man has been directly relevant to the work that I'm doing. But I want my work to be respected on the basis of its content, not specifically because I'm bringing some privileged um, aspect of my identity. So I have mixed feelings about where my work fits in these days in relation to Black Lives Matter. I'll put it like this, and I'm, I hope I'm not avoiding your, your question. 
to the extent that anybody can come along and find my work in major collections or with big prestigious projects and think, yes, I like this, or even wow, or isn't that amazing? And they happen to find out that it was taken by a black gay man, fine. But I would never want my work to be presented, oh, here's the work of a black gay man, and this is how you must judge it. I find that ultimately reductive. I agree completely. I, <laughs> I agree. Is, but to get to speak specifically to Black Lives Matter, well, the sad fact is the reality that we see on the streets of Britain and North America and in lots of other places in the world, Black lives do not matter as many as others. And I want to be part of a dignified assault on that obscenity until we get to a place where my identity is important but not critical and I'm not held either in contempt or in some I don't know, victim identity where we need to be protected and campaigned for. Who do you think had the most influence on you and what's your expectations for yourself in the future? I would summarise my experience of Rotimi Fane Coyote as a huge influence on me as a role model, a support, a creative playmate and somebody who was so fabulous that although I could never be like him, he inspired me to be much more myself. Um, looking to the future, um, I feel as I've had an extra, because I've had such an extraordinarily varied route to photography, I've served in the British military, I qualified as a barrister, I worked five years back and forth between Nigeria and London in education and then for the last 30 years I've been a photographer so I'm used to the idea that there is no kind of pattern or, 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 or set way that my life should work out I hope to remain amused and challenged with any creative endeavor not just my photography uh, these days I suppose I tend to be more attracted to working collaboratively so that I can be pushed and pulled and challenged in ways that keep me not settling too much into comfort. Uh, for instance, I'm currently working on uh, some research for a project exploring how we relate to the process of aging. And that incorporates uh, a wider sense of curiosity about what beauty is. And I don't just mean how we look, but you know how we live, how we express ourselves and how we occur with other people. And Despite that rather bulging bag of, of things to think about, I've also become a bit obsessed with jewellery and clothes making. And my experience of lockdown has been some uninterrupted time with my sewing machine and my metal making skills to just experiment with how these things, how clothes and jewellery are made and particular things that I would wear and occasionally inflict on other people. So the... Um, the door remains wide open to all kinds of, of possibility. And uh, I hope when I look back, I can see that it was always going to be essentially amusing for me and worth other people's involvement and attention. That was Robert Taylor. I'm Michelle from samesamebutblack.co.nz. Thank you for listening to A Conversation with Robert Taylor for Icons 2021.